Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 5. My name is Jeff Brooker, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group and author of the books 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirit of the Adventures of a Real Bartender, and its sequel, Pearl Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Zahn, editor of The Grin Dish. Sit back and relax as we attempt to pull back the curtain on the hospitality industry. And feel free to pour yourself a beverage. I know Kevin and I will. Welcome back to the Barfly Podcast. We are excited to have Benson Wang on the program. Benson is the co-founder of Palm House Hospitality, which owns, operates popular San Francisco restaurants like Palm House and the Dorian, as well as North Bay spots like the Flamingo Resort and Nick's Cove, among many other properties and ventures. So welcome, Benson. Thanks for having me. First question for you is, obviously, you have a very eclectic variety of restaurants and menus, and each has its own unique concept. How do you come up with the concepts, first of all, and then how do you find the right location for them, or do you do it, is it the chicken and the egg thing, do you come up with the location and then decide, here would be a good concept for that? I think it's a little bit of both. A few concepts that we have that we think would work. They're templates, business plans in our head. Some of them are um, written business plans. You know, Palm House is one of those. Actually, uh, Anderson, my partner and co-founder of Palm House, he grew up out here in Marin and he loves soul food and he, he always wanted to start a, a concept in his neighborhood that was similar, that had similar vibe and energy. So he wrote the business plan. It wasn't called Palm House. I think it was Sofrito to start maybe three years prior to, to us opening. We both lived in the Marina Cal Hollow. The, the space, Nettie's Crab Shack was the space prior, I remember to, that. Yeah. prior to Palm House. And we we love the space and this concept just kind of fit right in. You know, ultimately our concepts, the thread that connects all of them are their, their transportive experiences. We're going, we're trying to create a transportive experience to help create connection. And how we do that is through design, through the food and beverage concept, through music, and ultimately the story and the identity that goes with it. We love storytelling. So each one of our concepts has, you know, one of these these stories. And the goal is to help people really disconnect from their day-to-day so they can find deeper connection with themselves and with those that they love, you know, new and old. Mm-hmm. Kind of like travel, like going somewhere outside of your comfort zone makes you more aware of the environment you're in. Exactly. I, I think it's, it's that feeling, right? Hospitality is the feeling that you can evoke. Service is more of the mechanical side. We, we often think of hospitality as service, but service are all the, the individual touch points. And hospitality is that feeling that you get. You walk into a venue, when you leave a venue, you know, that curiosity that it creates, the transportive nature of escaping the day-to-day. We call Palm House the staycation destination of San Francisco. And, you know, we think by transporting people, you create an altered state. And through an altered state, it creates a more expansive experience for you. You, you wouldn't ordinarily get um, somewhere else. So like through our travels and through different experiences that we've had, found those feelings and, and tried to repackage them for our guests. So you're like a staycation travel agent. <laughs> we, we call it serious leisure, oh, yeah? actually. Yeah, we're, we're really serious about our leisure. It's, yeah. a, it's a tagline or a mantra that we kind of live by. I like that. Pleasure in other people's leisure. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. What do you think are the biggest misconceptions that people have about running a restaurant? The standards, right? That it's easy. That if you have, if you create, if you can cook great food or mm-hmm. uh, make great drinks, you, you got a concept. You know, I, I think 
those are the standards. But I think that to go against the grain here, I think that the, the biggest misconception of, of restaurants and, and hospitality is the negative kind of implications or the negative PR and press that that's kind of been layered on on the industry. For example, you know, obviously the mental health issues, I think mental health this is a pandemic and endemic that we're living through. It's highly visible. It's happening across all industries. I've worked in other industries where you see a lot of the same issues. I think the imbalance that we talk about a lot, one of our goals here is to create what we call work-life integration, which, you know, I growing up in a restaurant, I grew up living and doing my homework in the office of my parents' restaurant. You know, I'd come out during lunch break and do my homework on the on the bar top. I'd eat lunch with my family, go back to the room, to the office. My parents would come in and check on me during service and meet my brother. It, it was it was kind of that timeless tradition. It's where restaurants began, right? Where you'd serve food from your own home for you know, the neighborhood for the community. It was valuable. I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I didn't know it at the time. Parents told me never to get into restaurants, <laughs> you know, because, you know, at the time it felt like it was necessitated just to create a living. I think that there's some truth in that. Often people think of the restaurant industry as a dead end road. You come in, you make some cash, you find other jobs. You know, I left an industry that, you know, my parents thought I would be in forever, right? Finance. I studied finance in college. You know, I went to a great university. I went to a coveted firm or multiple firms. I was making more money than I ever thought I would make. I had more prestige than I ever thought through my work. It just wasn't serving me. It wasn't serving me on, a, on an emotional and spiritual level. It was serving me in many different ways. I loved what I did. There's no industry in my mind where you can exercise so much creativity, whether it's on the product, on the design, on digital assets, on HR and operations. And, and interactivity. Totally. Like Every, everything you do and, and make such a big impact on so many people's lives in one day. You know, there's some days where you walk in and, and you know how this feels. It's you see 300 people and each one of those people, maybe even more, right? You work one and a half shifts, two shifts. You can see a thousand people in a given shift and you can make a lifelong impact on each one of those people, not to mention the team, you know, each, every coaching opportunity you have, every conversation you have can make a serious impact on somebody's life. It's very fulfilling. So I, I, I want to somehow, you know, in the, like, I think part of my path going forward is figuring out how to create those touch points more frequently and, and also help people understand that this isn't a dead end road. There is a roadmap, endless opportunities. Our growth is only stunted by the people we have and the people that want to continue to grow. Like my, my job now is solely to help create opportunity for people that are far more talented. It's just about finding them and helping them find their voice. You're like the Ted Lasso of restaurants right there. You're inspiring folks. Be their best self. Be their best self. <laughs> well, the irony, I think, is with COVID is that COVID kind of changed the playing field. Even though it's, like you said, we're in an endemic. We're not in a pandemic anymore, but it still affected what has happened. And that really shook up this industry to the point where people started to reevaluate the idea of whether they wanted to go in and work 65 hours a week. I remember working at a restaurant once where they brought up at a staff meeting that one of the employees had worked double shifts for 14 days straight and everyone applauded. And I thought, 
that's not something to applaud. Mm-hmm. That What about that person's family? What yeah. about the rest of their lives? They can't sustain that. And I think a lot of people have come to that realization where the people like myself, where you've been in the industry, it's kind of reinvigorated you in a way because you realize that the things that brought you to the industry are still what matter. All that fluff and like you're talking about that kind of superficiality of, of the media that's, that covers us. And I belong to the media, so I feel like I can point at them. But at any rate, it's just like these cooking shows where they go on and they do this. But that's not the way a restaurant works at all in any way, shape or form. It's those kinds of connections that make a difference. And, you know, we were talking off air about the bear which has this kind of negative portrayal of how a kitchen works. I think there's an impulse now to change that. And we were talking about some of the things that you were talking about, like doing yoga, having downtime, having having a different experience in the restaurant business. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. I worked in restaurants and in hospitality through my childhood, through college, then worked in corporate finance. And coming back to the industry, it was really eye-opening seeing the amount of imbalance that you could find in this industry, right? Whether life, work, imbalance. Well, work. I, I would say, you know, work. That that's one of them. One right. of the one of the few. And this again, this extends across all industries. But having worked in finance, I didn't really see the big picture. I was kind of a, a cog in the spoke of this machine that was moving. It was a hundred billion dollar firm. But running a business, you you see it. It, it all kind of falls back on you. And so there's work-life imbalance. I would I would say more of addictions across the board. Addiction to work, addiction to alcohol, to other recreational drugs, to sex, if I may, on this, you know, like it's it just the devices, right, that right. accumulate to, to help people cope with their internal dramas, right, and trauma. For us, it was, we, we had the privilege in many ways of finding this balance outside of work through, you know, fitness or yoga or spirituality through escapes, you know, leaving. We wanted to figure out a way to incorporate more of that mindfulness into our day to day. And a few things have made a huge improvement. You know, one thing that I'm, I'm a huge culprit of as humans, we often only see the bad things and, and we're trained to be that way in restaurants. You walk into a venue, you never see the good. You only see the light that's out or the plates that aren't being wiped correctly or, you know, so on and so forth. So for us, we've, we've just incorporated, you know, a lot of timeless um, tradition and mindfulness into our day to day. For example, I've realized that people would walk into our meetings, you know, you're, you're putting out a hundred fires and you got to sit down at an office meeting. You're not grounded. You're aloof. You're not present. So we, we sat down and we started doing, you know, five to 10 minutes of grounding exercises. And that would be, you know, either meditation or breath work or listening to music to get everyone just calm and a, a little more centered. And then the first thing we start every meeting with a moment of gratitude where we go around the table and, and everyone, it's optional, but people enjoy doing it. And you, you say something that you appreciate or you're thankful of about somebody around that table. A specific act that I guess is has prompted that that thanks. And just that one act itself sets us off on a on a great foot. You know, like I'm not one to expect recognition. I don't think anyone around the table is. You know, everyone's there to kick ass, work hard, there to serve others, but you know, nobody hates recognition or compliment. So right. like building in some of that structure has been super beneficial for all of us. And we also have 
Equinox memberships for all of our managers. We have relationships with a lot of the fitness studios. Rumble has been a great partner. Project 13, Crunch. You know, we have, they give us great discounts and our team gets to go in and work on their physical body so they can create a stronger connection with their mental well-being. And then one, one thing that we're talking about, a new business segment that I built out last year that our company did was we're, we're in lodging, but the new form of lodging now is the sharing economy, Airbnb and VRBO. So we, it represents 20% of our industry now. It's over $200 billion of, of revenue and total room nights, $200 billion of room nights. And, you know, I looked at that industry and I, I realized that a lot of our team, they don't get the luxury of living and feeling those experiences. I feel like one of my big benefits of what makes me somewhat good at what, what I do is being a consumer. I love I love being a consumer, right? I love going out. I love traveling. So being able to create those experiences for our team has been really beneficial. So our team, our managers, and our hourly get access to our homes, either at steep discounts or, or free overnights, you know, a few times a year. That helps them refresh, recharge, but also see things from a different perspective that they can bring back to them and apply to their work. Have you noticed that the retention rate has uh, been positive as a result of this? You know, overall... Happiness and well-being has we do that we do a mindfulness month where we we start with the pre-month survey. It's you know how many how many hours are you sleeping? How many times have you exercised? How many days are you consuming alcoholic beverage? How happy are you? Right, right. On uh, from one to ten, we've done that at the beginning and the end, and often what we see at the at the end of one month is twenty percent increase in, in happiness just from bringing awareness to the tools and mechanisms we have to deploy that are outside of drinking. Like drinking is not bad. Everyone kind of labels drinking as drinking is bad. So hey, bad. hey, 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 watch hey, it there. Hey, <laughs> it's a natural product. It's one of the first medicinals, right? Right. It's here for a reason. Is it abused? Yes. Is yeah. it bad to abuse it? Yes. Is it right. bad to abuse being out in the sun? Absolutely. Like they're, like anything out of moderation can be a vice. It's a lubricant, right? And it, and it helps people shut down a part of their brain that keeps them from growing and it creates deeper connections. And I'm, it's, it's just about finding that balance. And so to your point on your question on retention, I haven't run those full numbers, but most of my managers on our team have been with us for you know, four plus years. We also do a Q12 survey, which is the Gallup survey about employee team member engagement. And the more conscious and mindful we are of these practices that we incorporate into our business, better the service typically. Because as you know, money is one factor of why somebody works for you. You know, people want to be feel like they belong, that they're a part of something bigger. Appreciated. They're appreciated, yeah. that they're they're being useful. Part of a family. Valued, right? And, and a family and that values them. And a family. And that's where I grew up. So I, I felt that I saw that. You know, I called everyone an uncle or an aunt. Chinese from Bono to Rafa to all of our kitchen team like they were all uncles and aunts and I think that's the only way restaurants work you know some of my favorite restaurants out are those that are family run it's not easy it's not easy at all you know you're all in this together and so creating more of that you know I don't want to over I don't want to grow the business to an extent where I can't feel that same connection because that's not why I'm here it's to really facilitate that and create opportunity. And that's what my parents had. They came here without a, not a dime in their pockets, barely spoke English. My father came here to Chinatown. My mother was in Koreatown in, in Los Angeles. Hospitality was their currency. 
It's how they made a living. They're retired now. They own a few properties. They sent my brother and I to college. And But I, I think not only is it the financial benefit, but seeing how they live and lead their lives, I think, you know, I always say this, like, I can't wait for my kids to work in the restaurant. I can't wait for my kids to work the host stand because that is a humbling experience. And there's no other job, I think, that where you can learn as many life skills, patience, gratitude, compassion, critical thinking. It's just the list goes on. Thinking on your feet and yeah. interacting with people. Totally. Right? You can use those skills for the rest of your life, no Absolutely. matter what you go into. And I think Danny Meyer is a great advocate of that. He's speaking to Fortune 500 companies about the hospitality quotient. At the end of the day, hospitality extends across the entire world. It, it keeps the engine going. Kindness, compassion, gratitude. It's universal. It's universal. Right? It's, it's, and again, like you said, it's probably the first business was someone said, hey, I need to make some food for these people down the street because they want some food. Yes. And that's how industry started. Yes. The rest of this stuff is all ancillary to that sort yes, of thing. Absolutely. But again, it's that wanting to do that that makes a big difference in, in doing it. And I think a lot of what had happened in the restaurant business is people went into it not necessarily wanting to do it, but wanting to make the money that you can make. Because that's the other point that I think is very valid that you make, that your parents did well for themselves. A lot of people think of the restaurant business, like you said, as a dead end. But I know a lot of people who, uh, you know, longtime servers who own two homes. Uh, one of the waiters where I work just retired at 55 to the south of France. There's not a lot of industries that, that can do that. And uh, I think people miss that sometimes. But you have to want to do it. Yes. And that's the key. Constantly. And you can feel it when you go into those places. And again, that's that whole idea. I mean, even in and out Burger has a sense of that yes, to totally. a certain degree totally. where it doesn't feel like a fast food restaurant, yeah. even though, I mean, it looks like a fa- I mean, it, it, everything about it is fast food. Yeah, but they're high-fiving each right. other. They're wearing those right. silly hats. Like, <laughs> These weird uh, yeah. apron things yeah. that they've got. Yeah. But they, they obviously, whatever, whatever the ethos is, they're buying into it. Yes. And that's the key is if there is no employee buy-in, then it goes the other way in a heartbeat. Uh, Larry Mandel said on our thing, he says, they're either invested in the business in one way or yeah. they're invested in another way. Yeah. And you got to be careful about that, yeah. right? So Our industry is bad PR and self-inflicted in many ways. If you like the bear, for example, like some people watch it and they're like, I can't deal with this. This triggers is too triggering. For me, it was like inspiring. We need new aprons. Everyone needs to be the aprons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but like the the idea is like one of your questions was what what do you love? Or what what what, what do you think a misconception is? Right. I think one of my biggest misconceptions is we're not being useful and there's no value in what we do. We're, we're losing sight of why we're in this business sometimes because of all this noise. We're in the business to serve, okay? It doesn't matter what you're serving or who you're serving. At the end of the day, we're here to serve our guests. And if that doesn't bring value to you, you're in the wrong business. Right. Mm-hmm. People come up to me all the time and they say, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm in the restaurant business. And they, they always follow that with, Oh man, I feel terrible for you. That must, be so, that must be so hard, right? And I'm like, you know, I used to work in investment banking. I used to sleep under my desk. I used to wake up, get into work, work until 2 a.m. in the morning on a spreadsheets, fixing mm-hmm. footnotes, getting roughed around by people that I should look up to, right? Not everyone's like this, of course. You know, it was, it was a rough industry, but nobody said that to me. Nobody said, oh, you're in investment banking? Like, mm-hmm wow, that sucks, you know, how terrible. Kind of, it was a badge of honor. You know, you're, it was worth paying your dues kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The irony is everyone appreciates good food. Totally. Or, or it, I mean, that kind of experience makes anything better. Camping, yeah. traveling, 
whatever it is, but the actual application of it sometimes gets completely overlooked. And you're right. There's a lot of people who maybe shouldn't be in that industry. Maybe they should have figured that out, but they're there. And so the, the thing is now, as the industry is contracted, I think there's less of that. I, I mean, I'm seeing less of that. I'm seeing more enthusiasm now than I've seen in, in, in at least in the last 10 years. The restaurant industry is just, it's more difficult than ever, you know, given inflation, mm-hmm. given the cost of cost, living, yeah. just given the amount of stress everyone's dealing with and the amount of hats you need to wear. We ran the numbers and minimum wage is 80% higher than it was when we opened one of our restaurants. <laughs> and how are you with staffing? Because I know a lot of restaurants are facing that challenge. You know, so I think staffing is good. This is one of the times where, you know, we have... You know, generally speaking, we fully staffed, right? There's, you know, unemployment's rising and, you know, unfortunately a lot of restaurants are closing. You know, new, a lot of new restaurants are opening, but I think just sales are more inconsistent. Events business and tourism hasn't picked up to where it needs to be. And this is different in different markets, right. but I'm speaking primarily San Francisco. And we're in neighborhoods in San Francisco, Marina Cal Hollow, slowly picking up events you know it's not where it used to be with all the layoffs and all that but it's, it's just inconsistent i've never seen such wild swings such wild swings right. i don't know if you've heard that oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean i see it yeah I mean, it's saying, like yeah, sometimes yeah. we're incredibly busy and sometimes we're of my best event. week followed by my worst week <laughs> in history <laughs> yeah. you know and wow. i'm like what yeah. it's yeah. like the weather right. it is it's like the truman show you know yeah. <laughs> so don't worry about tomorrow Please join us next time where we welcome industry insiders and industry outsiders to talk about the state of the restaurant and bar business. My name is Jeff Burkhart. Thanks for listening.